This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. For the duration until football season, which will be close to the election. And I'll tell you, I'm already, it's April, I'm already completely burnt out on the election stuff. I just can't even, they say, oh, well, the cable news, all they care about is ratings. That's why they're... Focusing on this, I, I've reached the point where I don't even believe that anymore. It is just a, this constant stream of shrill propaganda, of just uh, Trump and the whole election thing and terror. I just can't take it anymore. I, there is no additional information coming through those airwaves. And there are real issues that we should be talking about. Many of them are in the news and the local news and any of your newspapers, even if you're not reading, uh, you're not in Atlanta listening. These are real issues that are important. And the one thing that I was focusing on this week, because on Thursday, Georgia put a, a convict to death for a 1994 murder. And there will be another uh, death sentence carried out in April if the plan uh, that's what the plan is anyway, of also another 20-year-old murder. And for me, uh, I think there are real questions about the death penalty. I never really seriously considered a moral problem with it as far as if you're 100% positive somebody did this and you can take him out of society. Uh, it's a defensive move if it's efficient and effective. I really had no, like, you can't take a life but there are objections. Uh, I was actually just posted on Facebook an article I was reading. It's like a religious moral point of view, but I found it very, you know, I'm a libertarian. So when I think about laws, I don't think about that, but it's a very informative discussion. And it and he delineates the four objections to the death penalty. One is the miscarriage of justice. And that's where why I've changed my mind on the death penalty and not because I think of the accidental miscarriage of justice jury gets it wrong the appellate court gets it wrong but because there are deliberate miscarriages of justice from prosecutorial prosecutorial misconduct to the fact that our government can no longer be trusted I'm talking about the the federal level when when you're talking about treason and stuff they can't be trusted to define treason and uh, and carry out sentence in good faith because our interests are now, if if uh, they probably always have been, but it's crystal clear to me now that our interests are completely at odds with our government. And Mike, I think it was before the call, before the break, did point out that uh, the government's basically run by and for not us. He said oligarchs, and that is, I, I think that he's, dead on or I, I would say I think that's really what's happening is that we we really have lost control of our government and that's why it makes me worried that they have that kind of control but there's other objections one is that it encourages vindictiveness another is that it's inconsistent with the ethic of life another is that we are supposed to forgive those are all things that were brought up by this Catholic Cardinal I think it was and 
You know, as a libertarian, I always think in black and white economics, numbers, cost benefit analysis, but there are cultural impacts to to how we execute the laws or what we conceive of as justice. For me, I don't think it's in our we as a society can tell the victims to forgive these guys. I don't think that I feel very strongly that the victims have a right to do whatever they want with these guys. But I wonder if that we maintain this, that our government maintains the death penalty, even if it's not really necessary to protect society, because they want to make sure that we have a culture of death. You know, you see things like euthanasia laws, assisted suicide laws, uh, just despite the widespread availability of birth control abortions, you know, happen all the time. These are the death thing seems to be something a drones kill list uh what obama does thousands and thousands of bombings without congress's approval there is this you know even those those video games there are video games where you can take your phone into the square i think it's called father ios and shoot each other you know you shoot somebody sitting at a cafe if he's playing this game you walk up and you put like a little sight on your phone and it it just gets us used to this idea of killing and I wonder if there's something to that, that this that the the reason they don't do away with it, even though it doesn't seem to have much of an impact on deterrence or whatever, is that they they want to make sure that we never rise above that. I know that's kind of an emotional argument, but let's see what you have to say. I'm going to Stephen in Atlanta. Hi, Stephen. You're on with Monica. Hi. Yeah, I just wanted to um, comment on uh, what you were talking about earlier about. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, if it costs ten thousand dollars versus ten million dollars, you know, keeping somebody in jail. A lot of time, I used to think that it costs more to keep somebody uh, in jail for a long time. You know, for let's say their entire life. Yeah, that's what um, I'm saying. I, if that's the I, truth, then the death penalty might be justifiable. Well, and it's actually it's it's the reverse. Um, I talked to a lawyer down in um, Texas, and he he's been defending people on death row for I think he said around twenty years, and uh, he had talked about the financial aspect of it being that he had never seen a case um, go um, all the way through and cost less than $4 million to execute someone. Whereas if you were to keep somebody in jail, um, annual cost on average is about $40,000 for that one inmate. So over the span of, let's say, 50 years, let's say they were in there for that long before they just died off on their own, that's only $2 million. And you can add to the trial costs the fact that these these two guys who I'm talking about in Georgia last week and next week or something like that, they they it's been 20 years. So they were on death row for 20 years. And I was trying to find out the math on that, like how much more it costs than an ordinary prisoner to have somebody on death row. That also pumps up the cost. It's not like it happens overnight. So right. I, I was trying to do the strict cost-benefit analysis, but I find that you know the, the stuff I was looking at just seemed to be so biased one way or another. I could literally find things that completely contradicted each other some people have sent me some uh, resources and I'll put them up on my website with the podcast when I when I publish this in a couple of days at monicaperezshow.com but I I what you are saying is consistent with the things that I was seeing about how much more it's like four or five or six times more to have a yeah. trial that goes to the death penalty and then my only question was how do you suss out what what it costs to incarcerate the people in the two comparative situations. Right, and, and it, it varies from state to state. But, yeah. Uh, and he said that if it is some... So he was a public... 
defender, essentially, is what he was. But he said if it's somebody that even has money, that it can go upwards. He said he's seen it upwards of 12 to $15 million. Wow. Before. And yeah, so there's no real, I mean, if you're talking about that, then I think the only justification that could possibly be true is is that the victims are entitled to, you know, I, I feel this way, but I'm not saying, you know, this is a very nuanced thing, but I would feel that the victims, I don't know what it would feel like to be in that well, position. Part of, you know? part of the other aspect of it, to me, that uh, I was, you know, we were talking about, uh, I was talking about with this lawyer, is he also said, you know, if you think about this, too, is that, you know, our government's supposed to essentially represent us, right? We, quote-unquote, elect them, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, right. Positions. We hope. And uh, and so whenever a death sentence is carried out, it's carried out by the people. And, mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I don't I don't believe in killing somebody unless, like somebody mentioned before, about you know, somebody entered my home, it, that, that's it. But, uh, right, you strictly know, self-defense. Yeah, and, and this, this lawyer also mentioned to me he had at least three cases where he knew without a doubt that they were innocent, but the proving it didn't happen. I mean, I, I don't know what happened to the, uh, you know, innocent before, you know, uh, you're innocent until proven guilty thing, but that, to me, in the legal system, that doesn't really happen anymore. Um, and, I mean, Stephen Avery, if you, if you, you know, the story of Stephen Avery, I, mean, I think he was another good example of that. There wasn't enough to defend him, but there, you know, there wasn't a whole lot against him to begin with either but um anyway well, i don't know i don't know that story but i would i would say that what you are pointing to is something i touched on a little bit earlier is that the government in my view in my view and i i think you know i think i'm right you know i think that the founding fathers were libertarians uh but it seems to me my political philosophy holds what i consider to be an objective truth that the government is Oh, it's only authority. The only thing government can do is use force. It steals and kills. That's all it does. It taxes and it kills. And the only reason it's justified in doing that is that we extend to it our right to self-defense. So if I can if I can defend myself of somebody coming into my house, yes, you clearly have that right. And a policeman certainly has that right to step in my place and defend me there. But if you personally don't believe that it is defensive to take somebody's life 20 years after the fact and your tax money goes to support that, I can see, I mean, I've wondered if it is immoral to pay taxes given that Obama has a kill list, a Tuesday morning kill list where people are killed without trial and it has, Americans have been on that list, not in this country, I don't think, but maybe. So is it, is it, is it immoral? Is it reasonable for people to say, I don't believe in the killing of life unless it's an imminent threat? And that's why I don't want my tax money to be paid for it. If you're on hold, I am going to get you 404 872 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. The high today is 64 and tomorrow 66. Stay tuned to Weekend Weather. Brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air right here on WSB. I am going to go to Mike in Woodstock. Mike, you're on with Monica. Hi. There are a couple of, uh, of, of moral issues to be thought about. If I kill somebody, and I hope I never, ever have to be in that position, but if I kill somebody in self-defense, there's no time to really think about it, about the moral ramifications, about all the stuff involved in this very complicated issue. However... 
when you have 20 years, when you have the ability to go through the trial process, there's plenty of time to think about it. It's no longer a heat of the uh, uh, heat of the moment um, issue. It's not fight or flight. It's not self-defense. It is not a, a defensive move to execute somebody. And I have a friend who's a prosecutor who told me the average capital crime, the capital trial, is ten million dollars. And then there's another. Do you think there's any deterrent value in it? No, no. Texas has an enormous rate of execution. Yes. And if if they if it were a deterrent, we wouldn't need capital. We we wouldn't have capital crime. There's no such. It's not a a person who who wantonly kills another person in cold blood. They're not thinking about a deterrent. And 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 there there are other issues. I mean. If you want vengeance, and that's what this is at the end of the day, if vengeance is what you're looking for, how about locking somebody up and and letting them watch life pass them by? I feel like you should put them to work. They should actually compensate the families for... No, 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 no. Lock them away. Don't let them do anything productive. (laughs) Don't let them do anything. Uh, Shut down everything. Just put them in a cage and say goodbye Here's your gruel you get to eat every day. I don't care. I heard somebody talking about their rights. I don't give a rip about their rights. No, 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 no. That wasn't me. I would never say that because they have obviously completely abandoned any any rights by taking somebody's life. I mean, that's completely out the window. But I feel like the worm is really turning on death penalty because, you know, when I was growing up, I was taught, I mean, it is just justice, plain and simple. You have to have the death penalty. And since then, my own opinion has changed on it. Uh, I was contacted by the Conservatives Concerned about the Death Penalty. That's a website. Uh, libertarians, I think, across the board have so little faith in the government that they're, they realize that the government cannot be trusted with that kind of power. And even the Catholic Church, which has a history of being... You know, not saying it's immoral says there's virtually no time when it's necessary. Uh, I am getting to all your calls after the break. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian on WSB from 3 to 6 every Saturday. I do have a McDonald's weekend prize pack to give away. You might have heard about it on the break. The first one to call 404-7410-750 will get it. It's a pair of tickets to the Bud Light concert series featuring Sticks on May 15th at Verizon Wireless Amphitheater. And four passes to see Eye in the Sky, courtesy of the Regal Entertainment Group. That number is 404-7410-750. But I want to continue our conversation about the death penalty, which I have. It's one of the few things where libertarians really can disagree and even change their mind. I have. I think I heard that Ron Paul did, too. And for the same reason I did, although I was not influenced by his decision, I only discovered it later. But it's basically that the government is so completely out of control and untrustworthy that we cannot give them that kind of power. And I think that's that's correct. I, my problem with it used to be that I thought there were mistakes would be made. Now I think that's not mistakes at all, but either for purposes of petty career moves or big picture getting people out of the way who uh, 
you know, I think it, I think it is possible that it has happened, you know, even if not here, but people have been gotten out of the way who know too much. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if the government's allowed to assassinate people for treason, they could quite possibly define that in a way to take out people who simply object to the government or whistleblowers or whatever. I don't know. I just don't trust our government anymore. Enough for that. I've got some great tweets. I'm going to get to your calls. 404-872-0750 and 1-800-WSB-TALK. I have a tweet. I'm going to just start with a tweet from Brad. Then I'm going to take your calls. Brad says, Bastiat's definition of justice might be helpful. Stopping injustice is justice because justice is a zero and absence. So I think <laughs> got to get my mind around that. I have to ponder that a little bit more. But I love Bastiat, his thin, simple little treatise called The Law. I discovered, I was so excited. I was just loved it, ate it up. It was written in the 19th century, and I, I called my aunt. I said, oh, you got to read this. It's the shortest thing, but it's so sublime. It's so beautiful. And she said, Monica, my father, your grandfather, gave each and every one of us kids, and there were eight of them, a copy of Bastiat's The Law on their 12th birthday. We all got it. So yes, I've read it and I have it. And I was like, wow, I guess having been raised by people like that, my psyche was so prepared to accept the sublime beauty of Bastiat's The Law. He just, and one of the things he emphasized was be careful about wanting to take the power back, supposedly from government, and use it, you know, to make things right, because you will be the same tyrant. It's a very nice, elegant, simple libertarian treatise. I'll have to ponder Brad's quote on that. Um, and I want to go to your calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Jim in Rutledge. Jim, you're on with Monica. Uh, how are you doing this afternoon? Good. How are you? Uh, uh, I'm doing great. I tell you, I am very much in favor of death penalty. And I think it was designed to be a deterrent, and the lawyers have hijacked it. There or is no longer deterrent, but I'm still in favor of it, even if the cost is tremendously high to prosecute a death penalty case. Because if you want to call it justice or if you want to call it revenge, it doesn't make any difference to me. But I studied criminal justice when I was in college, and I wound up not actually going into law enforcement. But there's a bunch of cases, uh, the Aurora Theater, the Sandy Hook Elementary, that deserve the death penalty. But one that I'm going to touch on real quick was a case that happened in southwest Georgia. These three guys killed an entire family, and they were farmers, and they were coming in for lunch from the fields, and they killed them one by one. And it was four of them, best I recall. And there was no doubt of guilt because the lead uh, a ringleader of the group, I watched the video where he confessed, this is what we did and this is how we did it. And the wife of one of them was raped by the three guys, and the other three were killed as they came in. How, tell me how, workers. like, I wonder how these, not to get off the beaten path, but how do these people think they're going to get away with it? Did they think that they were just going to take the money and run? I mean... Yeah, well, it robbed Because I, I would like to think it was a deterrent and that they wouldn't kill because they would know there's a chance I'm going to get caught. If I get caught, I'm going to be put to death. I don't think they gave it that much thought. 
we're going to yeah. get money for beer and cigarettes and and women and whatever we're going to use it for and and it was a it was a farming family that really i mean they they scratched out whatever living they had and so i don't even think they even gave it enough thought that we're going to get thousands of dollars and the yeah. wife of one of the uh, brothers was raped by all of them and then stayed down to a farm well so, I I do understand. I, I I would not make the argument that it's unjust. That uh, I would just my only concern at this point is I cannot trust the government with it, and and then another another concern. But I recognize that I mean, it's very hard for me to get away from the thought that the victims, or the families of the victims, have you know just kind of a a, a right to to for the psychic benefit i can't you know i i'm not intuiting it i don't feel it as intuition but there's just something about that that seems their right the victim's rights because this these the perpetrators the criminals do not have any rights anymore in my opinion but i i can't help but feel at uh in what I have delegated to society, what I feel like is the social contract is that we agree to have this coercive government and give it the, the, the right, the legal right to steal and kill through or, or whatever, take property through taxation and, and kill for right or wrong. We want them to only do those things for the right and the right. The only thing that justifies aggression is that we have delegated to them our right to self-defense so that idea of justice and the victims getting their retribution, you don't have to call it revenge. And I think there is a difference. I'm kind of struggling with it, but I do. I see the justice part of it. But on the other hand, when people object to it, for us to take our, our collective social uh, mandate and say that they can, people can kill with it after it's no longer a an issue of self-defense. If it doesn't really deter, I wonder at what point it's self-defense. But, uh, you know, I appreciate the, the, you know, it's it, people have different feelings, and I don't think it's a clear-cut issue. Some people do. I'm going to Tim in Stone Mountain. Hi, Tim. You're on with Monica. Uh, how you doing, Monica? Hey. My biggest issue with the death penalty is it's so subjectively applied. I mean, from county to county, from prosecutor to prosecutor, you'll look around and this guy will say, okay, this meets the level of the death penalty. The guy across the way will say that meets the level of the death penalty. It's subjectively applied based on race. It's subjectively applied based on economic status. And if it can't be something that we can be absolute, it is an absolute punishment. And the, the, the grounds for applying it should be equally as absolute. And if we can't be absolute across the board with how we apply it, with when we apply it, then we should not be absolute about applying it at all. That's a good point. I've never been in favor of the argument that just because you can't get it perfect doesn't mean you shouldn't try. I mean, that, I remember Brzezinski said that about, we'd say, why are you taking out Saddam Hussein and you don't go into North Korea and take that guy out? And it's like, well, just because you can't do it all. But that that hints at a fundamental injustice if you cannot apply it evenly it can't you you can't it cannot be just i mean i think that's what what i'm hearing and i can i can see that that. and exactly what what you're hearing i'd like to see statistics on it because i i have i think that there are that that's probably a provable fact and it's certainly you know county to county if 
if people in their own community want to have their own rules and you can easily move out to a different county and not, you know, be subject to those rules. I like local control, but when, but you're right. I mean, I think race and economics must, like it does throughout the justice system, so-called justice system, it, it has a totally disproportionate impact, and it's not an accident. It's it's systemic. I think I saw somewhere where minorities are more likely to face the death penalty, uh, to more more likely to be convicted of the death penalty, but white men are more likely to actually face the death penalty. And that, to me, is just just bananas that I, as a as a African-American man, are more likely to, to face a death penalty trial. But my neighbor, who happens to be a white guy, is more likely to actually be put to death. And that, to me, is just the, the, the absurdity of that is such that we should look at it and go, if, if things are that upside down, we shouldn't apply it because there, there's no variable anywhere. There's no bankable variable anywhere. Unless, yeah, you would have to say that there would be a, it's, it goes back in my mind to similar to the principles of a just war, which say that there have to be, uh, you have, to, it has to have this imperative good and have no alternatives. And I think in this day and age, it was the position of Pope John Paul II that it's, there are now alternatives. You don't have to do it. And and it does take 20 years to put somebody to death, so I would think you could get exonerated. But a lot of the times, the, the prosecutors, not a lot of times, but in the cases of injustice, it's more often, seems to me, prosecutorial misconduct than it is, like, bona fide mistakes. And they can destroy evidence. They can manipulate things that'll never, you know, can never resurface. Exactly. So there's just too much, yeah, there is too much noise in the... In the system and uh you know i mean it always comes down to for me as a libertarian i feel like you can almost always uh say figure out what's right or wrong by looking at your principles and morality is outside of the legal framework in my opinion there are a lot of moral issues that I think are, you know, I think it's wrong for a man to leave his wife and children for some, you know, cute secretary who gets his fancy and then, and this woman's left holding the bag. Like, I think it's morally wrong, but you can't make a law against it. I think it's very clear. But in this case, I guess we could apply the same logic and say, if the government can only... If self-defense is the only legitimate function of government or an extension of our own self-defense and it's not necessary for them to do this, to take that guy's life on our behalf, then then we don't need to do it. But I wasn't even planning to go there. I just don't trust the government anymore. But this is such a deep philosophical and moral issue that I almost feel like anything that is that deep, <laughs> the government should refrain from. I think we actually started the whole show with uh, with a call from Jenny who said the government should stay out of this business. And I think maybe we've come full circle on that. Going to wrap it up after this. Uh, if you're on hold, I can get to you. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB, wrapping it up. I'm here every Saturday from 3 to 6, always trying to take the issues of the day and apply 
unyielding libertarian principles, but sometimes those principles are on the margin. Today we're talking about the death penalty. I'd like to do this again next week with some other items that are in the news, particularly uh, the campus carry law, the religious freedom bill, even uh, chalkings at Emory and how that plays into the public education debate, which I am against uh public universities and we can get into that next week i uh in in conclusion about the capital punishment i got an email nice email from alan i uh appreciate it but he points out something that i did begin the show with uh and it's like a pet peeve of mine he said you know you said you can't legislate morality but laws are based on moral foundations established by the community or even the ten commandments But I would say if you look at the Ten Commandments, the ones that are purely moral, like about God or coveting, that kind of thing, are uh, are not civil laws. It's the laws that uh, aggress against other people like stealing and killing and lying on the witness stand, bearing false witness. That kind of stuff is uh, illegal, not because it's immoral. It's immoral because it violates your rights, but it's only illegal because it violates your rights. So everything that violates another person's rights is immoral. But but everything that's immoral does not stop it violating other people's rights. So there is a distinction there. It's a subcategory. And uh, I would say that because of that, that everything the government does really is just an extension of your right to self-defense because you are authorizing them to do it. And if you wouldn't do it yourself, you don't feel justified to do anything they do. You may not uh, give them the right to do it. So that's how it goes. It gets a little more intellectual, I guess, than what you're hearing constantly. Trump, ISIS, Trump, ISIS. Let's take a break from that. Uh, Let's communicate, uh, continue this conversation on Facebook. Twitter at Monica Perez show. And I do post the podcast with links and references uh, early in the week. So check me out on Monica Perez show.com. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.